0: Section 4 of The Art of Controversy. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. The Art of Controversy by Arthur Schopenhauer. Stratagems, Part 2. 11. If you make an induction, and your opponent grants you the particular cases by which it is to be supported, you must refrain from asking him if he also admits the general truth which issues from the particulars but introduce it afterwards as a settled and admitted fact for in the meanwhile he will himself come to believe that he has admitted it and the same impression will be received by the audience because they will remember the many questions as to the particulars and suppose that they must of course have attained their end twelve if the conversation turns upon some general conception which has no particular name but requires some figurative or metaphorical designation you must begin by choosing a metaphor that is favourable to your proposition. For instance, the names used to denote the two political parties in Spain, cerveles and Libertates, are obviously chosen by the latter. The name Protestants is chosen by themselves and also the name Evangelicals, but the Catholics call them heretics. Similarly, in regard to the names of things which admit of a more exact and definite meaning, For example, if your opponent proposes an alteration, you can call it an innovation, as this is an invidious word. If you yourself make the proposal, it will be the converse. In the first case, you can call the antagonistic principle the existing order. In the second, antiquated prejudice. What an impartial man with no further purpose to serve would call public worship or system of religion is described by an adherent as piety godliness and by an opponent as bigotry superstition this is at bottom a subtle petitio principi what is sought to be proved is first of all inserted in the definition whence it is then taken by mere analysis what one man calls placing in safe custody another calls throwing into prison a speaker often betrays his purpose Beforehand, by the names which he gives to things one man talks of the clergy another of the priests of all the tricks of controversy this is the most frequent and it is used instinctively you hear of religious zeal or fanaticism a faux pas a piece of gallantry or adultery an equivocal or a bawdy story embarrassment or bankruptcy through influences and connection, or by bribery and nepotism, sincere gratitude, or good pay. 13. To make your opponent accept a proposition, you must give him the counter-proposition as well, leaving him his choice of the two, and you must render the contrast as glaring as you can, so that to avoid being paradoxical, he will accept the proposition which is thus made to look quite probable. For instance, if you want to make him admit that a boy must do everything that his father tells him to, ask him, quote, whether in all things we must obey or disobey our parents, end quote. Or if a thing is said to occur often, ask whether by often you are to understand few or many cases, and he will say many. It is as though you were to put grey next black, and call it white, or next white, and call it black. 14. This, which is an impudent trick, is played as follows. When your opponent has answered several of your questions, without the answers turning out favourable to the conclusion at which you are aiming, advance the desired conclusion, although it does not in the least follow, as though it had been proved, and proclaim it in a tone of triumph. If your opponent is shy or stupid, and you yourself possess a great deal of impudence and a good voice, the trick may easily succeed. It is akin to the fallacy, Non causae ut causae. fifteen. If you have advanced a paradoxical proposition and find a difficulty in proving it, you may submit for your opponent's acceptance or rejection some true proposition the truth of which however is not quite palpable as though you wish to draw your proof from it should he reject it because he suspects a trick you can obtain your triumph by showing how absurd he is should he accept it you have got reason on your side for the moment and must now look about you or else you can employ the previous trick as well and maintain that your paradox is proved by the proposition which he has accepted for this, an extreme degree of impudence is required, but experience shows cases of it, and there are people who practice it by instinct. 16. Another trick is to use arguments ad hominem, or ex concessis. Footnote. The truth from which I draw my proof may be either one of an objective and universally valid character, in that case my proof is veracious, secundum veritatem and it is such proof alone that has any genuine validity or too it may be valid only for the person to whom i wish to prove my proposition and with whom i am disputing he has that is to say either taken up some position once for all as a prejudice or hastily admitted it in the course of the dispute and on this i ground my proof in that case it is a proof valid only for this particular man ad hominem i compel my opponent to grant my proposition, but I fail to establish it as a truth of universal validity. My proof avails for my opponent alone, but for no one else. For example, if my opponent is a devotee of Kant's, and I grant my proof on some utterance of that philosopher, it is a proof which in itself is only ad hominem. If he is a Mohammedan, I may prove my point by reference to a passage in the Quran, and that is sufficient for him, but here it is only a proof ad hominem End footnote. when your opponent makes a proposition you must try to see whether it is not in some way if needs be only apparently inconsistent with some other proposition which he has made or admitted or with the principles of a school or sect which he has commended and approved or with the actions of those who support the sect or else with those who give it only an apparent and spurious support or with his own actions, or want of action. For example, should he defend suicide, you may at once exclaim, Why don't you hang yourself? Should he maintain that Berlin is an unpleasant place to live in, you must say, Why don't you leave by the first train? Some such claptrap is always possible. 17. If your opponent presses you with a counterproof, you will often be able to save yourself by advancing some subtle distinction, which, it is true, had not previously occurred to you, that is, if the matter admits of a double application, or of being taken in any ambiguous sense. 18. If you observe that your opponent has taken up a line of argument which will end in your defeat, you must not allow him to carry it to its conclusion, but interrupt the course of the dispute in time, or break it off altogether, or lead him away from the subject and bring him to others. In short, you must effect the trick which will be noticed later on, the mutatio controversiae, see section 29. 19. Should your opponent expressly challenge you to produce any objection to some definite point in his argument, and you have nothing much to say, you must try to give the matter a general turn, and then talk against that if you are called upon to say why a particular physical hypothesis cannot be accepted you may speak of the fallibility of human knowledge and give various illustrations of it 20 when you have elicited all your premises and your opponent has admitted them you must refrain from asking him for the conclusion but draw it at once for yourself nay even though one or other of the premises should be lacking, you may take it as though it too had been admitted, and draw the conclusion. This trick is an application of the fallacy non cause ut cause four